The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Six Friends, for your own real deep-down enjoyment of smoking, it's important to know there's never a rough puff in a Lucky. Every puff of the way, there's mildness, smoothness, and mellowness. For today, tomorrow, always, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Tobacco that's light and mellow, ripened to the peak of smoking perfection. Yes, at auction after auction, the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. So for your complete enjoyment of smoking, for more pleasure from every puff, every pack, light up a Lucky. You'll enjoy the rich taste of really fine tobacco. And you'll agree there's never a rough puff in a Lucky. Next time you buy cigarettes, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of every Lucky Strike program, Jack and the cast go through a little ritual. So let's go back to last Sunday, immediately after the show, and watch what happens. Okay! Okay, kids, okay! Okay, that's all, that's all. We're off the air. Uh, close the curtain. Gee, that was a great show, Jack. Yes, Jack, I think that was one of the best programs you ever did. Boy, you sure got a lot of laughs, Mr. Benny. Jackson, you were sensational today. Oh, thanks, fellas. Okay, kids, one, two. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Which no one can deny. Oh, thanks, thanks. And, fellas, did you notice the way... All right, Jack, we said you were great. We sang the song. Now give us our checks and let us go. <laughs> Okay, okay. And kids, I want to compliment you on the show today. Nobody made a mistake. It's a good thing we didn't. Last week, the quartet made a little mistake, and you locked them in the closet and made them sing the commercial 500 times. Well, at least... Jack, come on. Give us our checks. Okay, here's yours, Mary. Thanks. Don? Thanks. Dennis? Thanks. And Phil, I'm happy that this week I don't have to pay you in cash. I can give you a check like the others. Yeah, it took me a long time, but I finally learned how to endorse them. <laughs> uh, who showed you how, Phil? What? Who showed you how? Remley. He's great on checks. He can sign anybody's name. <laughs> but Phil, Phil, that's forgery. Oh, Jackson. Huh? Forgery is such a hard word. We call it playful penmanship. <laughs> oh, fine. Anyway, Phil, I hope you're saving your money. I buy annuities with my paychecks. Well, that's very smart of you, Dennis. I know. With those annuities, I can retire on an income of $1,000 a month. No kidding. Yeah, they start paying off when I'm 120. <laughs> 120? Oh, that's good, Dennis. The money will come in just when you need it. Yeah, yeah I'll probably only have one show then. <laughs> well, of all the... So, Denny, that's ridiculous. Nobody lives to be 120. Hey, Jackson. Huh? Throw me that lead again. I got an answer that'll make CBS buy me. <laughs> Phil, forget it. As long as Rexall pays you in bromo seltzer, you're happy. <laughs> Believe me. Gee, I wish I could go home now. What? I wish I could go home. 
Well, why can't you, Dennis? My parents did it again. Did what? Moved away without telling me. <laughs> oh, well, you'll find them. You always do. Jack. What? I think I'll be running along, too. Oh, Mary, I wanted to ask you, if you have nothing to do tomorrow night, would you like to come over to my house and watch some television? Oh, I'd love to, Jack, but that's the night that all the girls I used to work with hold their annual reunion. Oh, yes, you have that reunion every year. What was that you girls call yourselves? Uh, the Merry Maids of the May Company. <laughs> ah, well, I hope you enjoy yourself. Oh, I always do have a good time there. And I'll get to see my old girlfriend, Ruby Wagner, again. Gosh, how I envy her. Why? What's she doing now? She's still at the May Company. <laughs> Look, Mary, if you'd rather be back at the May Company, then you Oh, can... Jack, I didn't mean that. I meant that I envy Ruby because one day a customer came over to her counter, they fell in love, got married, and now they have 12 children. She married a customer and has 12 children? Just think, he came in to spend 89 cents and look what he got. <laughs> yeah, well, Mary, everyone is gone. Come on, let's go out of the studio. They're putting out the lights now. You know, that's really an amazing story about your girlfriend, Ruby. It doesn't seem possible that... Uh-oh. What's the matter, Jack? I forgot something. Wait here, Mary, I'll be right back. Gee, I wish they weren't so quick about turning off these lights. Now, let's see, which door is it? Oh, here it is. Okay, fellas, you can come out of the closet now. Fellas, you've been punished enough for what you've done. Boys, you've sung it more than 500... Oh, my goodness, must have affected their minds. I'm going. Holy smoke, they're following me. Fella, stop following me. It's embarrassing. Wait a minute, fella, cut it out, will you? Wait a minute, boy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Boys, don't follow me anymore. Go on home. Your wives haven't seen you for a week. I'd fire those guys, but I'd only have to get them another job. I'm their agent. <laughs> and they're such good, they're such good clients. They think because they're a quartet, they have to pay me 40%. <laughs> Come on, Mary. Uh, what'd you forget, Jack? Oh, it was nothing. Come on. Well, there's Rochester waiting in my car. Mary, I'll drive you home. Oh, Jack, I, I don't want to go home yet. I I'd like to have dinner in town. You would? Yeah, I'm in the mood for a nice big steak. Smothered with mushrooms and fresh fried onions? Yeah. How about the brown derby? Oh, wonderful. Okay, I'll drop you off. <laughs> now, come on, let's... Oh, gee, I forgot my umbrella and it started to rain. It isn't raining. I spit in your eye. <laughs> Mary, all oh, I Oh, goodbye, Jack. I'll see you later. But, Mary, you don't have... I guess she's so hungry she couldn't wait. Ready for me to drive you home, boss? Yes, Rochester. What are you sitting there holding that wisp room for? As soon as you get in the car, I'll brush you off. Brush me off? Yeah, the doors are stuck. You'll have to crawl from underneath. <laughs> That's ridiculous. If the doors are stuck, I'll, I'll just climb over. Well, I got one leg over. Gee, these doors are higher than I thought. Now to get the other... <laughs> are you in, boss? 
Yeah. Gee, these seats are cold. <laughs> Start the car, Rochester. Yes, sir. I'm sick and tired of this. You know, Rochester, I got a good mind to complain to the Cadillac Company. The Cadillac Company? Yes. Boss, we only got one of the hubcaps from them. <laughs> oh, yes. And we picked that up at the scene of an accident. <laughs> Rochester, I didn't steal that hubcap. No, but I'll never forget how you dig it with that man in the ambulance. <laughs> all right, all right. Now try that motor again. Yes, sir. <laughs> This is all. Rochester, where did we get this motor? Broadway at 9th. Eastern Columbia? No, Broadway at 9th. It was laying in the street. <laughs> what? Same accident. <laughs> oh, yes. Rochester, try and get this car started, will you? Well, thank heaven. Now, Rochester, for a change, go out Hollywood Boulevard. Yes, sir. You know, this is one of the first nights this week that the weather has been so mild. What was that? Sounded like a police whistle. Rochester. Right, did you see that? Two men just ran out of that bank. They jumped in that big black sedan. They're speeding away. Yeah. Wow. They must be going 80 miles an hour. And look, look at that policeman. He's running towards us. What is it, officer? Quick, follow that car. <laughs> What? Follow that car. Oh, officer, come now. <laughs> Look, I'm an officer of the law. When I jump on your running board and say follow that car, I want you to do it. Well, then get your other foot off the ground. You're holding us back. <laughs> Stop wasting time and do as I... Cut. Cut? Who said that? Yeah, I did. We're making a picture here on Hollywood Boulevard. A picture? Oh, for heaven's sake. What's the name of it? The whistle blows at midnight. <laughs> Rochester, let's get out of here. I don't want to be even an extra in this one. Now step on it. I want to get home and have dinner. Well, that was a very good dinner, Rochester. Thanks, boss. Say, Mr. Benny, while you were having dinner, a messenger brought this to the door. What is it? Oh, here you are. Oh, yes, this is a record that Dennis made of that new song, Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, from Walt Disney's picture, Cinderella. He wanted me to hear it. I'm going in the den, Rochester, and play it. Shall I break a toothpick in half? No, I bought some needles. <laughs> I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. See, that song I don't understand at all. At least Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo makes sense. I bet Dennis made a good record of it. Now I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Whoops, wrong side. <laughs> oh, here it is, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. <laughs> if 
If your mind is in a dither and your heart is in a haze, I'll haze you dither and dither your haze with a magic phrase. If you're chased around by trouble and you're followed by a jinx, I'll jinx your trouble and trouble your jinx in less than 40 winks. Salagadoola, minchigaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Salagadoola, minchigaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. It'll do magic, believe it or not, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Salagadoola means minchigaboola-roo. But the thingamabob that does the job is bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Salagadoola, minchigaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Now salagadoola means menchigaboola-roo. But the thingamabob that does the job is bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Salagadoola, minchigaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Put them together and what have you got? Oh, bibbidi-bobbidi, bibbidi-bobbidi, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Dennis did that very well. Did you hear it, Rochester? Yes, sir. Are you going to bed now, boss? No, no. I think I'll stay up a while and read a book. Okay. Now, let's see. I finished Cleveland Amory's new book, Hometown. Very good, too. Here's one. My Ten Years in Washington by Dreer Poulsen. <laughs> Well, I'll be darned, there is a drear person. <laughs> Gee, I hope Don doesn't find out. Say, here's a good mystery. I Was Betrayed by Maximilian Q. Langley, author of I Was Framed, I Was Deceived, I Was Double-Crossed, and I Was Loused Up. <laughs> Gee, certainly gets some great titles. I think I'll read this one. I'll sit in that chair by the window. Ah, whoops. This seat is cold, too. <laughs> yeah, this story ought to be pretty good. I was betrayed. successful doctor. I could boast of a fine practice, a brilliant assistant, a beautiful wife who adored me, and two lovely children, Hogan and Sneed. <laughs> I was proud to be their par. <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of my story. It all started in my operating preparing a patient for an operation, and my assistant, Dr. Dennis Dazeldorf, was helping me. <laughs> As I was about to start the operation, the patient looked at me 
and nervously asked... Doctor, Dr. Sneisenholder, are you sure this operation won't hurt? Hurt? Why, no. No, not at all. Well, I'm so sensitive to... Oh, you, you, it might a little. <laughs> Dr. Dazeldorf. Jawohl, Dr. Schneisenholder. <laughs> Doctor, hand me the scalpel. The scalpel? What's that? The scalpel. It's a knife with a long curved blade. Oh, that, uh, that's in the kitchen there. I made myself a sandwich and used it to slice the salami. <laughs> well, wash it off and bring it in. Uh, yes, Herr Doctor. Here you are, Dr. Schneisenholder. What's that? You told me to wash it off and bring it in. The scalpel, not the salami. <laughs> Stupid doctor. <laughs> Hand me my rubber gloves. My goodness, Dr. Schneisenholder. You're awfully nervous today. Well, why shouldn't I be? I'm about to perform a very delicate operation that has never been attempted before. All medical science is awaiting the result. And this patient has volunteered. Oh, doctor, what are you going to do? I'm going to separate his bibbity from his bobbity. <laughs> what do you think of that? Ooh. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll call this operation bibbity bobbity boo Let's turn him over and see what's on the other side. <laughs> Good. Good. The patient died. <laughs> but the operation made the hit parade. <laughs> After this incident, I decided that I needed more help in the office So I put an ad in the paper for a nurse The next day, there were five applicants for the job I turned down the first four But the fifth had trim ankles and lovely slim legs I stared at her for five minutes Then when I looked up, I saw that she was pretty, her name was Ginger Lamar, and her voice was soft and sultry. Well, Doc, we'll talk as soon as you get through looking. Oh, pardon me. I, I was just thinking about something. Tell me, Miss Lamar. <laughs> Tell me, Miss Lamar, do you have any experience? Come here, Doc. Closer. Uh, now put your arms around me and kiss me. Do I get the job, Doc? Well, I wanted a nurse, but you'll do. <laughs> When can you come to work? I've already started. <laughs> From the moment I met Ginger, my life had more snap to it. <laughs> Even though I was a great surgeon, I couldn't cut that one out of the script. <laughs> there were so many things about Ginger that I learned to appreciate. The way her dimple showed when she smiled cute walk, her gay laughter, and the way she clenched her little fist when she slugged the rats in my sterilizer. <laughs> As the hours passed, I found myself falling deeper and deeper in love with Ginger, until at the end of the first day, I was hopelessly gone. That night, I took her home. Well, baby, this is where I live. We can stand here in the hall and talk. Ginger, darling, at last we're alone. At last I can tell Who's you... Who's that down there? 
It's me, Ma, Ginger. Did you bring the sterno? <laughs> yeah, I got it in my purse. Well, get it up here quick. I want to put the meat on. The old man's hungry. In a couple of minutes, Ma. Darling, I want to tell you how You hide your old lady. Get up here with that sterno. <laughs> That was mother and dad. They sound like real folks. <laughs> oh, Ginger, if we could only get married, I could do so much for your parents. Take out their appendix or their tonsils or something. That's a trouble, Snizy. You're already married. Yeah. And what about your two lovely children, Kramer and Gonzalez? <laughs> That's Hogan and Sneed. Ginger, what do you want me to do? Well, if you want me, Snizy, you're going to have to ask your wife for a divorce. A divorce? How could I ask Cindy Lou for a divorce? Cindy Lou, the girl who was responsible for my success. The girl who made me go to college and study anatomy, biology, surgery, and canasta. <laughs> I won $46 from her on our honeymoon. But it was no use. I was in love with Ginger, and Cindy would have to understand. That night, as we sat at the dinner table eating, I said, Cindy Lou, I know this will be a blow to you, but rather than make you unhappy, I'd cut off my arm. When she handed me a knife, I knew she was going to be difficult. <laughs> Cindy, I'm trying to tell you I'm in love with another woman. I'm asking you for a divorce. Well, darling, if you want a divorce, you can have one. I don't want to stand in the way of your happiness. Now, now, don't go to pieces, Cindy. <laughs> Try to understand. But I do understand, darling, and I'll explain it to our two children, DiMaggio and Greenberg. <laughs> That's Hogan and Sneed. Now, Cindy, are you going to give me a divorce or not? I told you, yes. Please, please, Cindy, let's not argue. Be reasonable! I felt like a heel for what I had done to my wife. But I hurried back to see Ginger. She was at the office waiting for me. Instead of a nurse's uniform, she was wearing a French bathing suit. It wasn't conventional, but I did more business than South Pacific. I took one fellow's appendix out eight times. I knew he'd be back, so I put a swinging door on his right side. <laughs> However, I couldn't stand the strain. I wanted desperately to be alone with Ginger so we could talk. And I tried to get rid of my assistant, Dr. Dazeldorf. Oh, Dr. Dazeldorf. Yeah? <laughs> Did you want me? Darn it, I missed him. <laughs> it's all right, Snizy. I told him all about us. Oh. And Dr. Dazeldorf, you know that I'm going to leave my wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. But what about your two lovely children, Taft and Hartley? <laughs> That's Hogan and Sneed. <laughs> Ginger, 
I can hardly wait for the day when I can call you mine. And we'll be together, always. Have you told your wife? I tried to, but she took it so hard I couldn't go through with it. I'll try again tonight. I dreaded going home and bringing the news to Sydney. But it had to be done, and now. I hurried out to the street, ran to the curb, jumped down into my new Hudson and drove home. <laughs> when I got home, I jumped up out of my new Hudson and went into the house. <laughs> Cindy was sitting in the living room. I could tell she was lonely because she had blown up my rubber glove and was shaking hands with it. <laughs> I walked in and said, Cindy, I'm back. Huh? Oh, there you are. Yes, and stop pointing my finger at me. <laughs> Cindy, Cindy, this can't go on any longer. I'm in love with another woman, and I want my freedom. For goodness sake, I told you last night you could have it. I can? Yes, and you can have the two children, Citation and Coaltown. <laughs> That's Hogan and Sneed. Why can't you remember? It was a relief to know that Cindy would give me a divorce. I wanted to tell Ginger the good news. I rushed out to the street, ran to the curb, jumped down into my new Hudson and almost broke my neck. Someone had stolen it. So I ran all the way back to the office, avoiding Hollywood Boulevard, where they were making a picture. As I reached the door, I heard voices. I stopped and listened. Oh, sweetheart, kiss me again, and again, and again. Three more kisses? Ach, du lieber, put me down already. <laughs> I couldn't believe my ears. The girl for whom I gave up Cindy, Hogan, and Sneed was a cheat. And Dr. Dazeldorf, my trusted assistant, had double-crossed me. I opened the door and walked in. Aha! Look, the doctor's back, and he's got a gun. Snizy, don't shoot! Don't shoot! <laughs> yes, I killed them both. Only my sons could have been here to see me. I had made a hole in one. <laughs> As I looked at Ginger lying there with the big bullet hole between her eyes, I wondered how I had ever thought her attractive. And then I realized I could never love anyone but Cindy Lou. I rushed home to throw myself at her feet and beg her forgiveness. When I reached my house, Cindy Lou was surprised to see me. Hello, Cindy. I've come home. Home to stay. Oh, 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 it's you, Meredith. I, I didn't expect you so soon. Cindy, why are you acting so nervous, so strange? Uh, uh, me strange? Oh, I, I'm, well, well, I'm not nervous. Cindy, you're hiding something from me. Is there another man? No, no, nobody. Then why are you standing in front of that closet door? I'm going no, to... No, no, Meredith, please! Get away, I said. I'm going to open that door. I opened the door, and my suspicion was confirmed. I broke out in a cold sweat. A blinding rage swept over me. I saw red. And you just don't look right. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, Skelton, get out of here. Your show's not on till 8.30. Yeah, 9 o'clock on the Pacific Coast. What? Not only that, I'm making a picture on Hollywood Boulevard with Hogan and Sneed. <laughs> Get out of here! Get out! Get out or I'll take this gun! Oh, oh, I'll take this oh, gun! Oh, I'll wake take... up! Huh? Oh, wake up! Huh? Rochester. Rochester. You fell asleep while you were reading that book. Oh. Gee, I had the craziest dream. What were you doing? I had the radio on listening to Red Skelton. Oh, well, that explains it. Good night, Rochester. I'm going to bed. Back to you in just a moment, but first... 
Luckies are smoother. Luckies are milder. Try them and you'll see there's never a rough puff in a Lucky. Just the real deep down smoking enjoyment, the mellow smoothness that only Lucky's fine tobacco can give you. Yes, it takes fine tobacco to make a fine cigarette. And L.S., M.F.T., Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Tobacco that's ripe and light, that smokes smooth and mild. For at market after market, the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy this kind of tobacco for your cigarette. Just listen for a moment to what an expert says about the tobacco he's seen Lucky Strike buy. Mr. Ed Rogers, an independent tobacco auctioneer from Reedsville, North Carolina, recently said... Wherever I've auctioned, I've seen Lucky Strike buy ripe, smooth tobacco that shows the sunshine, the kind that's hard to beat for smoking quality. I've smoked Luckies for 12 years. So take a tip from an expert, and for your own real deep-down smoking enjoyment, light up a Lucky. Every puff of the way, you'll see there's never a rough puff in a Lucky. Next time, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Thanks, Red. Good night, everybody. Be sure to hear Dennis Day in A Day in the Life of Dr. Dazeldorf. Stay tuned for Amos and Andy, which follows immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>